Hello and welcome to episode 41 of the Bait Picture Podcast. I'm your host, Bidemi Logile. Today on the show, I'll be talking about how Chinese hackers successfully compromised US oil and gas companies between 2011 and 2013. I'll also be talking about a suspected data leak of almost 4 billion phone numbers on the Clubhouse app. And I'll wrap up the episode by talking about how fake Windows 11 installers are now being used to spread malware. Thank you for your time. Let's get to it. On Tuesday, July 20, 2021, the US government revealed that hackers working for the Chinese government compromised more than a dozen US pipeline operators nearly a decade ago between 2011 and 2013. So this revelation came while the Biden administration was also issuing first-of-its-kind cybersecurity requirements for the pipeline industry in the United States. So according to current and former officials in the U.S. government, the disclosure of previously classified information about the aggressive Chinese hacking campaign underscored the severity of foreign cyber threats to the nation's infrastructure, and in some cases, these archives had the ability to physically damage or disrupt compromised pipelines, but there was no evidence or there is no evidence that they actually damaged physical pipelines back then. So pri- previously, um, senior cyber administration officials had warned that China, Russia, and several other countries were capable of such cyber intrusions, but rarely has so much information been released about a specific and apparently successful cybersecurity campaign. So the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, and the Department of Homeland Security, the DHS, said in Tuesday's joint alert that between 2011 and 2013, Chinese state-sponsored hackers had targeted nearly two dozen American oil and natural gas pipeline operators with the specific goal of, quote, holding U.S. pipeline infrastructure at risk, end of quote. So out of the known targets, about 13 were successfully compromised and an additional eight of them suffered an unknown depth of intrusion, which officials could not fully assess because the victims lacked complete computer log data. And then another three targets were described as near misses of this Chinese campaign, with um, which relied heavily on spear phishing attacks. So spear phishing attacks are when someone specifically crafts a, an email designed for one person or a particular group of people to click on that email and then load the malware containing that email. So it's different from normal phishing attacks where a generic email is sent to thousands of users hoping that some people would click on those emails. But in this case, spare phishing attacks is directed to one person, usually containing um, pretext. So basically, the, the story that would make that person or group of people more likely to click on those links. So the alert um, stated that the activity was ultimately intended to help China develop cyber attack capabilities against U.S. pipelines in order to physically damage them or disrupt pipeline operations. The alert added that Chinese, the Chinese appeared to be carrying out the attack as part of an overarching goal to gain strategic access into industrial control systems, not for intellectual property theft, which Chinese hackers, Chinese hackers are known for, but rather for future operations. 
In addition, the FBI and DHS said they first became aware of multiple targeted attacks on oil and gas companies back in April of 2012, and they provided remediation service to known affected victims from 2012 to 2013. Back in January 2019, Dan Coates, who served as the Director of National Intelligence under the former President Trump's administration, provided a public warning that China was capable of launching cyber attacks that could disable critical U.S. infrastructure, such as destruction of a natural gas pipeline for, for days to weeks. According to a person familiar with the matter, Mr. Coates' testimony was referring at least in part to the hacking campaign that was exposed in greater detail last week Tuesday. So back in episode 40 of the Big Picture podcast, I mentioned how um, the Biden administration blamed hackers that were affiliated with China's main intelligence service, and that was on Monday, July 19th, for a far-reaching cyber attack on Microsoft email software this year. And that was part of a global effort by dozens of nations to condemn China's malicious activities. So the US, UK, European Union, NATO, Japan, Norway, and so on, um, many other countries collectively blamed China for this um, half-neum um, hack against Microsoft Exchange servers, which handles email for thousands of companies all over the world. So the public shaming, however, did not include punitive measures such as sanctions or diplomatic expulsions by the U.S. government. And on episode 40 as well, I mentioned how this this is um, obvious because if the U.S. government goes ahead to sanction China, it's going to lead to retaliatory sanctions against American companies, which would severely or significantly hurt American companies because a lot of American businesses rely on the Chinese market for their goods and services and vice versa. So this is probably why the the announcement last week Monday that we know China is carrying out cyber attacks against us, but the announcement stopped short of announcing punitive measures because they're trying to avoid escalating that war, basically kind of like a sanctions war between the US and China because both economies are heavily dependent on each other. So in their response, Chinese officials said the US findings detailed on Monday, July 19 were, quote, groundless attacks. The following day on July 20, Tuesday, the Biden administration separately issued new cybersecurity requirements for U.S. pipeline operators, which was intended to help guard against ransomware and other forms of disruptive hacking. The requirements were announced months after a Russia-based criminal hacking group forced a major fuel pipeline on the U.S. East Coast, Colonial Pipeline, to shut down for nearly a week back in May 2021. The Transportation Security Administration, the TSA, um, issued a directive, in its, and it's the first of its kind to mandate certain pipeline operators that have been designated by the federal government as critical in order to adopt specific cybersecurity standards. This followed an earlier TSA directive back in May that required pipelines to notify federal authorities when they are targets of, of victims of cyber attacks. And the directive from the TSA is the latest sign that the Biden administration intends, intends to insert itself into pipeline security more directly than the Trump, Obama, and Bush administrations did 
which deferred to the pipeline industry's desire to avoid regulation for physical security and cybersecurity and instead favored a more collaborative approach to pipeline security. In a statement, the DHS said it would require owners and operators of TSA-designated critical pipelines to, quote, implement specific mitigation measures to protect against ransomware attacks and other known threats, end of quote, and to provide for recovery plans. Critical infrastructure cybersecurity apparently grew as an area of concern for the Biden administration following the colonial pipeline ransomware attack in May, which was followed by a rapid series of other high-profile ransomware incidents that were traced to criminal hacking groups operating inside Russia, including one that briefly disrupted JBS, a major meat processing company. For years, U.S. intelligence officials have been warning about the potential that a foreign adversary could jeopardize national economic um, security with a destructive cyber attack on banks, hospitals, or the energy sector. In 2018, for example, the Trump administration accused the Russian government of years of cyber attacks that targeted American energy infrastructure, including nuclear and water facilities, that in some cases led to remote access in some compromised computer networks. The decade-old Chinese campaign against oil pipelines appears to be one of the most successful operations ever mounted. Last week's alert from the U.S. government said the Chinese hackers stole documents from victims, including passwords and system manuals, and also compromised the so-called jump points between corporate networks and operational networks that control pipelines. The alert further stated that, the, quote, the totality of this information would allow the actors to access industrial control systems networks via multiple channels and would provide sufficient access to allow them to remotely perform unauthorized operations on the pipeline with physical consequences, end of quote. So next up, I have um, information about the recent data leak on the Clubhouse app. So on Wednesday, July 21, Clubhouse ditched its invite-only policy to then grant access to everyone um, for its audio chat rooms. So this update was announced during Clubhouse town hall meeting. And previously, anyone who wanted to enter Clubhouse or join the Clubhouse app had to be invited by someone already using the app. So kind of like being vouched for by a regular at an exclusive club. Now, however, all users on Clubhouse waiting list are being granted immediate access with the app available to everyone globally on both iOS and Android. So previously, it was only available to people using iOS operating systems, but back in May, it was expanded to allow everyone using the Android operating system. For a while, Clubhouse had had plans to expand to the general public. In a blog post that was published last July, the co-founders of Clubhouse, Paul Davidson and Rohan Seth, stated that the app's invite system allowed it to grow its community slowly enabling them to fine-tune the features and fix problems as they arise, as well as putting less strain on their small team. Clubhouse enjoyed significant interest in the months after its March 2020 launch, but it seems to have cooled off noticeably since then. According to a report by Vanity Fair, engagement on the app is down in some, in some areas of the app, and downloads of the app itself have noticeably slowed down, dropping below 1 million in April 2021. 
far from its impressive surge of 9.6 million back in February 2021. And that surge was driven by um, users in Japan. Clubhouse also recently made efforts to improve its user experience by adding a text messaging feature called Back Channel earlier in July 2021. So interestingly, two days after the announcement from Clubhouse on Friday, July 23rd, just last week Friday, Mark Roof, R-U-E-F, a Swiss expert on digital security and data protection, revealed on Twitter that a database of about 3.8 billion Clubhouse users' phone numbers was up for sale on the dark web. To confirm the seriousness of their intentions, the cybercriminal published a fragment of the database with 83.5 million phone numbers, which included only Japanese users of Clubhouse. The cybercriminal also clarified that the offer is exclusive and is looking for only one buyer for the entire giant database. Mr. Roof um, further suggested that those numbers don't just belong to members, but also people in contact lists that were synced with the app. So during installation and registration, the Clubhouse app requires access to the user's contacts and in the process, monitors the list of contacts in real time so that as soon as someone in your contact list also joins Clubhouse, the app will then notify you so that you can engage with that member of your contact list and then go on the app and continue using the app. So basically guaranteeing that more people would keep using the app. It's called time in app. And you do that by monitoring your contact list. And a lot of social media apps do that. Um, a lot of, even PayPal does that. So whenever a, a member of your contact list joins PayPal or Facebook or WhatsApp, the app would notify you that this person is now on Clubhouse or PayPal or Facebook, whatever, so that you, both of you, can then go onto the app and then communicate as if you don't communicate enough already using your other messaging apps and so on. So it basically... A technique where apps increase engagement by connecting people and they do that by monitoring your contact list in real time. Clubhouse has denied any data breach or leak on their systems. A statement from the um, from the app said, quote, there has been no breach of Clubhouse. There are a series of bots generating billions of random phone numbers. In the event that one of these random numbers happens to exist on our platform, Due to mathematical coincidence, Clubhouse's API returns no user identifiable information. Privacy and security are of the utmost importance to Clubhouse, and we continue to invest in industry leading security practices. End of quote. Mr. Roof shared a screenshot where he revealed that the hacker is planning to host an auction of this leaked data on September 4, which happens to be Google's anniversary. Since its launch on Android in mid-May, Clubhouse has added 10 million users to its virtual community. So it's interesting. Um, my take takeaway um, regarding this news is that a database containing majority Japanese users on Clubhouse was recently leaked. We know the um, Olympics is currently happening in Tokyo, Japan, and there have been, again, instances of cyber cyber um, threat actors, hackers, going after the Olympics, going after Japanese cybersecurity infrastructure just to be able to, I guess, disrupt the Olympics in some way or the other. So I'm not saying these two are connected, but it's just interesting. It's something to keep an eye on. Um, there's, there's a data leak on Clubhouse that are 
impacting mostly Japanese users while the Olympics is going on in Tokyo, Japan. So my final news on this episode is regarding a fake Windows 11 installer that is being used to spread malware. So Microsoft is yet to release Windows 11 actually, but then the new operating system is already available for download and preview. As always, cyber criminals are exploiting this preview functionality and slipping malware to users who think they are downloading the new operating system. Microsoft previously claimed that Windows 10 would be the last release of Windows, that they would just issue updates henceforth. However, on June 24, 2021, last month, the company unveiled Windows 11. Even though in terms of how it runs technically, it is basically Windows 10, but Windows 11 is still the biggest operating system update in six years, with an impressive number of new features and interface modifications. Officially, Windows 11 will become available to the general public later in 2021, but many people are still trying trying it out early by installing a pre-release build, which is common in most um, software development. So some people want to try out the new system simply because of its novelty, it's something new. They want to be the first people to say they try out a new operating system. Other people, such as technology reporters and journalists, want to try it out to then inform potential users about the new features. Um, as for software developers, they need the new operating system. They need to try it out to perform compatibility testing with their own products and services and then fix any issues before release day. So different people trying out this new um, operating system for different reasons. So even though Microsoft has made the process of downloading and installing Windows 11 from its official website fairly straightforward, many people still visit other sources to get the software, which often contains questionable software, malware, and so on from cyber criminals. Hundreds of infection attempts that use Windows 11 related schemes have been detected, and a large portion of those attempts consist of downloaders. Basically, the, the task is to download and run other programs. Microsoft has advised users to only download Windows 11 from official sources only. So far, Windows 11 is officially available only to participants in the Windows Insider program. That is, you have to register in order to be able to get the new Windows 11 preview. And you must also have a device that has Windows 10 already installed. So to upgrade your Windows 10 device to Windows 11, go to Settings, click on Update and Security, then select Windows Insider Program, and then activate the Dev Channel, D-E-V Channel, to get the update. So running the update on your computer is not advisable. On your main computer, it's not advisable because pre-release builds can be quite unstable. And it's also advisable to use a reliable security solution or antivirus program or whatever it is you use to protect your computer from um, malware and don't ever disable that security solution so that cyber criminals will not be able to gain access to your computer through social engineering or vulnerabilities, the inevitable vulnerabilities that will be contained in the pre-release build. So that's all I have for today's episode of The Beat Picture. The production, editing, fact-checking, audio engineering, and graphic design were done by your stream, Epidemiologue Day. Please join me again on the next episode as I continue with a deep dive on cybersecurity topics, news, events, and incidents, and the lessons we can all learn from them 
for robust cyber threat intelligence and awareness in our daily lives. Make sure you subscribe to The Beat Picture on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Please share the show with anyone you think might benefit from it. And for questions, comments, or any suggestions, please send an email to bdemi at thebeatpicture.com. You can also get in touch on Twitter at BeatPicture. And I'm also on the Clubhouse app at BID at Beat. Please remember to leave a review for the podcast if your platform allows you to do so. That would really help to promote the podcast. Thank you for your time. See you on the next episode. Bye for now.